Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast. Thank you for joining us here today. We are your hosts, Brooke Paget and Elena Pauly. Hello, friends. Thank you for spending this time with us. For today's topic, Brooke and I are going to dive in a little deeper into a topic that is currently affecting all of us, whether you are in the SCI community or you are the partner of somebody with an SCI, or if you're just going through the world events that are currently happening. So we would like to open the podcast today with this quote by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And it goes like this. There comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. And with the great amount of suffering that is happening in the world, there's often great profit involved with that as well. There's always somebody on the other end that is profiting from your struggles. So we would really love to just, uh, you know, dive into this topic and just see like, where is this coming from? What are the systemic issues and how the heck, how does anybody dive in to help each other out, to pull each other out of the river? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Elena and I were talking about this last week and we we're like, it's, it's going to be really hard to talk about something that uh, is anything but kind of the chaos that we're seeing in the world right now. And, you know, we're going to relate that to our community and WEGS of SCI and the dis- disabled community in general with this podcast, because we feel like we have a very unique opportunity and perspective where a lot of us, if not all of us, have been oppressed by these systems that are crumbling before our very eyes right now, the power over systems. And we have a very, you know, we have a unique perspective, but we also have a unique opportunity. So we're going to get into that. But first, I just wanted to thank our title sponsor of this episode, Robin Wishart of Wishart Brain and Spine Law. We just wanted to give her a big shout out as we always do. She is our main cheerleader. She has been supporting us since day one. She sponsors this podcast, but she also is our legal representation and she's also the Wings of SCI official advocate. So if you need any sort of assistance, North American-wide, Robin will be able to help you. She runs a very successful um, injury law firm downtown Vancouver, but she works all over North America to assist women in our community and couples in our community with things like letters, uh, with things like advocacy, with things like helping you out with an injury. She is, does it all and she has so, so many connections. So if you want to speak to Robin and get involved in our advocacy for the WAGs of SCI, you can go to our website and you can click on the tab that says legal advocacy. You can also email us wagsofsci at gmail.com. And you can also visit Robin's website, brainandspinelaw.com, where you can learn more about Robin. So let's get into the topic of the day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So as many of you know, Brooke and I, when we first began running Wags of SCI, we sort of 
began this from like a very philanthropy point of view. We we went through some world experiences or some real life experiences with our partners, sustaining SCI. And we sort of, by fluke, we got together, we met and we thought, how is it that we can help each other, but help other women in our shoes? And really just trying to, to help each other stay afloat through the struggles of a new injury with our partners. And um, that sort of led us into the activism that we're doing now. And one of the first questions you will always hear us say when we have a new member join our network and our resource page is how can we help you right now? And that's, you know, the, through the work that we've been doing, you know, we often do send her or him to Robin Wishart. But the second question that we really have to dive into is what institution or person is benefiting from your suffering? And so when we kind of unravel what is happening in the world right now, you know, there's a lot of government systems that are, they've got their hands in your lives and it can feel very suffocating to try to get that grip off of you. So we wanted to sort of address some of these topics right off the bat and just see how we can work together to shine a little bit of light onto the heaviness, the darkness that's around us right now. For sure. And, you know, we were speaking about this prior to recording about, you know, how uh, being in the disabled community, being marginalized, being at a place where a lot of us are taken advantage daily um, by insurance companies or government systems that kind of want to oppress instead of boost you up in a way like they kind of want to control the situation so that you can just survive instead of thrive and that's not just for disabled people that's for a lot of marginalized groups and a lot of marginalized people whether it's refugees or immigrants or um, a bunch of other situations in North America and across the world where the power over structure is kind of being brought to the surface where it's literally affecting everybody right now And so our struggle has always been to get people to care, right? You know, even before COVID, you know, it was always like, okay, please care about this. This is why you should care. That's kind of an advocate struggle is you want to get people to really care and not just about getting a tax break by donating like an official foundation, but actually care enough to say, hmm, how can I change my own life to help those that are in need? How can I shine a light on the struggles that the disabled community are facing and the caregiver community are facing? How can I make my lawmakers care? Because like it or not, people don't care unless it benefits them or affects them. And that is the really sad thing about being an advocate is that you kind of have to get people to care on your own and you have to show them why they should care. And when the mainstream narrative is kind of at a place where it's like, you know, we want to shine a light on issues, but there's other important issues to get to as well. And so now we're at a place in the world where there's war, there are mandates, there are power over control systems in place that are buckling down that are, literally (laughs) getting their grip even further into society. You know, we have a lot of, with COVID, there's a lot of um, stuff that came down the pipe that brought people's awareness to the fact that there are systems in place that control us. Like people didn't really put two and two together before. I know that a lot of us in this community did because we experience it every day. But a lot of people were waking up to the fact that, wow, my government and the healthcare system don't necessarily want what's best for me. 
You know what I mean? Like a lot of people have woken Mm -hmm. up to that over the past two years. And so right now we're seeing these systems blow up because it's really hard for people with power, governments in power and systems in power that are in place to give up that power. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I, you know, it's very interesting that you say that and without getting too political and and too far down the rabbit hole of what's been <laughs> happening in the, in the last. Yeah, we want to, we want to avoid the politics stuff. We just want to speak on like the macro level to everybody and how, you know, our community can relate to this and, and help this. Right. Right. And you and I have both sort of, especially with our partners injuries. I know for me, like after dance, the scene is injury, pharmaceuticals were sort of um, we, we kept a pretty close eye on what kind of pharmaceuticals were being prescribed to Dan when he left hospital and the effects and how big pharma benefits off of people who do have ailments and diseases. And it's just interesting that this week, you know, Pfizer's coming out with the big documents of, uh, I, you know, of what, what is in, in some of these pharmaceuticals and how, you know, I think a lot of people have been waking up to how big pharma is directly benefiting from people and are the pros outweighing the cons and vice versa of what is in these cocktails. So while, you know, everything that's happening in the world with Ukraine, with Russia, and I find it kind of interesting that everything is just sort of happening at once. And it feels like we're about to combust into Mm -hmm. just poof. I don't know. (laughs) Well, the thing that kind of allows me to sleep more at night is that, um, the mystics and the sages and the psychics and all of the intuitives have been saying for a long, long time, if you're involved in that community, they've been saying, especially the past three years, that the systems of control, when they start to be threatened and when they're on the verge of collapse, they will buckle down even harder and they will put even more pressure to try and maintain their control. And so now we're seeing the ultimate of that with the war in Ukraine and the bombing in Somalia. And while we don't want to get too much involved in that because we're not experts on what's happening and nobody really knows what's happening, who knows nowadays, right? All of these systems are being exposed, right? We're, we're seeing a lot of exposure at the mainstream media level. We're seeing a lot of exposure of governments, of a lot of lies that have been happening. And it's crazy. And, you know, let's get back down to basics. It can be extremely overwhelming um, just to live during these times. And you know, we were discussing this earlier, um, Elena, about how we kind of feel like we have a little bit of an advantage here. And we feel like we kind of have more of a resilience than the average everyday bloke walking around that don't have to deal with oppression or stigmatization or anything that involves control in their direct vision. Um, and they're waking up right now and it's overwhelming to them. But I feel like we, we have an advantage here. And, you know, why is that? Um, because we've gone through a lot, right? A lot of us has gone through a lot. And it's a daily thing for people with SCI. It's a daily thing dealing with these systems. It's a daily thing dealing with your nervous system going bonkers because you're having, you know, a bowel accident or bladder accident or just having to live is is a struggle. And that makes you resilient, right? Not to mention, you know, the one reoccurring theme that I read about from the SCI community um, is uh, is around approval, getting approval from, like you're saying, the the people that control your insurance, the people that control your uh, medical needs. It's just very interesting to me, you know, the never ending fight for 
like for example, right now, Dan is going through getting a new mattress and it's just, it's so hard to like watch, you know, he's He needs a new mattress. He's in so much discomfort. He's in so much pain even. And it's very interesting to watch the, the people that make these decisions, the gatekeepers, so to speak, on these decision making for approval on the other end and oh you know sorry we're busy oh we'll get back to you next week and like not really putting two and two together how so crucial it is that they do respond effectively and quickly so that he can have a good night's sleep because it's on the overall health of his entire being his life like this is your life and I always find it really interesting to sort of sit back as a partner and just, and watch this and just watch, you know, because you don't want to meddle too much because it's, it is his life and I don't want to overstep, but it's just always very interesting to hear from other people in in our community, you know, having to write letters, having to put in appeals for a standing frame or a bike or another wheelchair or a wheelchair or a new cushion or a commode and just watching the power that people have over over you, the person that needs these devices so crucially, so badly, and not getting the responses quickly enough or effectively enough. And just the very, the very serious toll it takes on your life, not even your mental health, but like your physical health. And I don't know, it's, it's painful deconstructing that. So then when we sort of compare that in the relation to what is, what is happening in our country, again, it's just, it feels like a bit of oppression that way, you know, not being able to feel seen or heard or that your needs need to be met. It can, it's, it can be quite challenging. Well, the good thing about all of that is that, you know, only a small majority of the population is severely disabled or disabled or in need of assistance, mobility assistance, or in need of government programs to help them. And now that these systems are showing up in normal, able-bodied people's lives where they're feeling constricted and they're feeling restrained and they're seeing, you know, where lies in the media and they're seeing lies from their government and they're asking for things and not getting things back it creates so much more awareness for the struggles of everybody. And, you know, I always say with the disabled community, we're all in this together, but now I feel like the world is all in this together and the world is all waking up to this and the world is seeing, you know, wow, like the struggle to live is not, you know, eating out of the hands of, of government and authoritative figures that don't have my best interests at hand is tough. Right. And so that struggle that you're talking about with what we go through as WEGS of SDI as disabled people and the, the heartache that we face on a weekly basis, watching our partners have to advocate for themselves, but struggle to get what they need just to live. Um, I feel like the world is feeling that right now. And I feel like that's an incredibly good thing because with more awareness, there's more change with more people Mm -hmm. being impacted by rules and authorities coming down on them, they will see something has to change. And so back to your quote earlier about how people are falling up, you know, downstream and you have to figure out, you know, why they're falling in the first place. I truly believe that that Mm -hmm. is where these systems have to go in order to exist when so many people worldwide are impacted by the power over structure. It's not going to work anymore. It has to be a more collaborative approach, right? And that's going to trickle down. That's great for our community because that's going to trickle down. That's going to trickle down to more, you know, when it comes to insurance, when it comes to government programs, 
will this be kind of like a disabled person centric approach instead of a, oh, this is a blanket approach for all disabled people and you can barely survive and you have to have an income cap and all that stuff. It's, it's, I feel hopeful in, in the midst of all this craziness. I have to maintain that level of hopefulness because it's, it's going to trickle down. It's going to, something interesting is going to happen, but unfortunately it's probably going to get worse as far as chaos before it gets better. Because these systems that make millions and millions and trillions and trillions of dollars are not going to collapse easily. Right. They're, they're Mm going to hold on. (laughs) Of course. And I think a lot of that too is like the uncomfortable part of this is first of all, sitting back and realizing that you are part of that, that group that's being marginalized and then going in to sort of identify and confront and hold, hold these groups accountable for taking what is, you know, what is owed to you, especially when you're, (laughs) when you have a disability and you need certain equipment and whatnot, it's, it's hard to even have that, those kind of conversations. Like I know in our community, a lot of people just say, Oh, you know, it's easier for us just to do whatever they ask us to do, not ask for too much. Just, just ask for the bare minimum because we don't want any trouble. We don't want any pushback and we don't want to lose the little bit of benefits that we already have. And I think that's where it really all starts is being brave enough and, with that, I mean, also comes, are you in a position where you are able to sort of push back? There's a lot of, there's a lot of red tape around what's happening. So we're always here for you guys, as you know, to be that voice for anybody who ever needs a topic discussed, or if you have an email you'd like to send us around a topic or you need some assistance, we have no problem being your voice. If you want to submit something anonymously to us, we have yeah. no problem bringing awareness to that topic. So as always, our emails, is of SCI at gmail.com. And uh, you can find us at Wags of SCI, Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury, anywhere on the web. Yeah, for sure. And, um, so let's try and like focus on moving forward. Cause I know there's a lot of chaos being felt, um, not just by us, but that the collective energy is being felt by so many people right now. And it's, it's heavy and it's kind of forcing everybody to, a lot of us are struggling right now, but a lot of us are also going within and kind of using this as an opportunity to heal. And so like we always like in this podcast, especially in this group, we always like to go back to like, okay, what can we do to help? Because playing into the fear, playing into, you know, the mainstream media can be extremely toxic. Um, Not just that social media can be extremely toxic. And if you don't limit yourself on that, it can be so overwhelming. And so what can you do personally to help yourself through these times, because you got to choose to do something, you know, just like when our partners are having incidents and, or they're in the hospital, or you're very uncertain as to what is going to happen next. We're able to handle that really well as WEGS of SCI. It's tough still, of course, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything, but we are pretty damn resilient after all this training. So when there's another layer on top of it and we're feeling these heavy, dense energies from the world and people are struggling and people are suffering, how can we help assist that? And I'm a strong believer in going within um, and really supporting yourself from within because at the end of the day, what do we always say? We always talk about how you can't fix anybody else. You can't fix a worldwide issue. All you can do is stay strong within yourself and that energy 
will project itself and resonate and help others more than you know. And it doesn't matter you know, what you believe in, if you're religious, if you believe in energy, everything is all energy, right? And so if you focus on the fear and you focus on scrolling and you focus on distracting yourself, you're not really helping the collective and you're not really helping yourself. And there's plenty of scientific evidence and neuroscientific evidence out there that supports this, that shows that when you're in a state of fear, when you're in a state of distraction or panic, or when you're in a state of anxiety, you're actually imposing unhealing energies on your body. Your body will not like that. Does that mean that you have to bypass those feelings and just kind of, you know, distract yourself? No, that's not what that means. That means that you have to go within and feel these feelings. Cause at the end of the day, um, feelings are just feelings. They're not good or bad. They just are right. And so we've been conditioned in society. And we've talked about this so often on the podcast that, we, we, we run away from these uncomfortable feelings and everybody's having uncomfortable feelings right now. And I feel like it's important to talk about that because you're not alone. Everyone's feeling this. Everyone is feeling stuck. Everyone's feeling like, Oh my God, is there anything I can do? And everyone's feeling shitty. (laughs) So it's important to like own that and realize that you're not alone, but then go within and say, what do I need to process right now? What do I need to feel right now? Because emotions, I think they've, I think there's a study out there that actually times emotions and feelings. And I think the average length of a feeling is 90 seconds. That's how long it takes to feel the emotion until it dissolves. And so in our society, we're so conditioned to run away from those feelings that it just keeps them stuck in the body. It just keeps them stuck in the brain. It just makes it so those feelings last longer. So if you can get you know, if you can get that your head wrapped around that and you can realize, oh, these feelings are just, they're not good or bad. They're just there and they're coming up for a reason. How can I like work with these things? How can I feel them? So what would you say works well for you when you're going through a heavy time um, that you can share with, with anybody listening right now, Elena? Um, what works well for me? Um, well, um, I did just go through a heavy time. I still am going through a heavy time with the loss of my dear Charles, my almost 14 year old Pomeranian Charles, who has been with Dan and I for a very, very long time. Um, Through Dan's injury, he was always there being snuck into GF strong, would always be visiting other people. Um, It's been a very interesting time for me because it's created a bit of a ripple effect of people reaching out to us, to me that I just, I didn't, I didn't realize felt the loss of Charles as well with stories and photos of him and, you know, many, many forgotten memories. And I know that I went through a really heavy time, really dark, dark time um, in terms of, I really couldn't see outside for the first, I would say for the first four days, it's, that's all I could feel was just a very, you know, very sad loss of Charles. Um, and it's, I think particularly because he passed in my arms at home, surrounded by both Dan and I, but very unexpectedly. And so one of the things that was really important for myself was to really be re- like, I don't even know how to explain it, to be real about what was happening instead of... Present. Be really present. Mm-hmm, being present. Yeah, exactly. Instead of covering it up with anything that you could think of anything that the world tells you that you need to sort of bypass those feelings, like whether it's food or alcohol or shopping or whatever distraction you can think of instead of, you know, for the first couple of days, I just, 
I couldn't even put thoughts together. And it was really hard. Just that's all I could think about was just Charles reliving the loss of him in my arms. You know, all of that. It was just very hard. And also all these memories that you don't necessarily remember all of a sudden come to the surface of, you know, young Charles and you know, all the, all the times that we spent together, my first Christmas alone, it was just Charles and I, when I went to university, it was just us. And there were so many moments that he was there for through my mom's brain surgeries, through Dan's accident, through a whole heap of, I guess, just a really very important part of my life. All of my twenties, half of my thirties, they take up a lot of space in your life and we're so lucky to have them. But for me, the best thing I could do, and it was hard because a lot of people give advice and they say, oh, you know, let's just, you know, Elena, you shouldn't feel sad. You should be so grateful you had him for so long. Oh, you shouldn't feel sad because you should be so mm. grateful that, you know, you had a love like this, or you you should be so grateful and only think about all the good, happy things about him. But the truth is, when you, when you feel that sort of very real despair you can't you really just can't think of just fluffy happy moments right you you have to sort of feel all of it because without the darkness you can't find the light and one of the things that helped me honestly was taking a lot of uh supplements that i really like so like the holy basil the ashwagandha i really like i take skullcap um and these supplements they're not there to replace anything else that you have going on in your body that your body might be needing, but they're just there to sort of enhance it. And again, I'm not into big pharma as much as I am really trying to kind of gear away from the big pharma, but just getting outside, getting fresh air, not distracting yourself, but being present, present in the moment. If you need to cry, you just cry without anybody without, I really just didn't care who was around. If I needed to cry, I would just break down and cry. And I think like what you were saying earlier, society, I mean, society, the word society is so generalized, but people are trained to mask their feelings, to sort of bury it, to show face, just being really, really strong without showing the weak, so quote unquote weakness, which is just real raw emotions. And as human beings, we have every emotion. We don't have just the happy, fluffy emotions that you see in commercials and you see on TV, but all of it. And I think it's really important just to sort of, just to go through, go through the waves, ride those waves and see where you are day by day. And I think a lot of people are doing that right now, whether you've lost your you know, lost your job or family members from the pandemic, um, or even division between people, you know, everybody's feeling something and it's okay to say this is really shitty. And this really sucks. And I'm hurt. And I need to sit with this and I need to do something about this. And I think that's the first place is just that acknowledgement of it's not really that peachy right now. And maybe I don't want to see anybody right now. Or maybe I just need to spend some time by myself. Like you said, feeling those feelings, quote unquote. And um, I think you are the only person that can really get yourself from one place to the next emotionally speaking. You're the only person that can heal yourself. So it's important to take that time by yourself and for yourself. How about you? I know that you also can speak to this topic. Um when you're ready, but what are some ways that you have found that have helped you sort of heal 
Well, I think that if anybody has ever taken the time to sit with a disturbing or, or painful emotion, um, I know that I just started doing that for myself. Like I'm 36 now. I just started doing that when I was 34. And so I went 34 years without being, without really knowing what it feels like to sit with an uncomfortable emotion. And it can be really intense. But once you do it a couple of times, you realize that, you know, you have to understand emotions are temporary. They're a temporary experience. And it's so hard when you're in the midst of it because you think it's going to last forever. And that's just your primal survival body trying to protect you, right? It's so important that you really, really understand that because when you're sitting with difficult emotions, it's intense. So like, I know we've talked about this in the past about like in past episodes where you sit with an emotion and you describe it and you get really, really present with it and you describe what's happening and does it have a color? Does it have a feeling? And you just continually pay attention to it. And then you'll notice that it starts to dissolve right away. And that is the most effective way for me to work through difficult emotions is just to say, cause you're not going to get, you're not going to get through emotions by thinking your way through them. And I know, you know, we've talked to the anxiety MD in a past episode about this is the thinking brain is a programmed brain, right? And you're not going to work your way through it by having positive thoughts or by covering up negative thoughts with positive thoughts. It's just, you can't fix the system by working with the system, right? And that goes for the macro lens that we were talking about earlier. You can't fix a crumbling system of control with another person in a controlling system. It just doesn't work that way. So we're seeing literally in a macro lens of what's happening, what literally happens in our brain. Whereas like we try and fix it by thinking about it and getting through it by thinking of like, oh, I can just do this or think these thoughts or affirmations. No, 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 no. Feelings are the language of the soul and they're meant to be felt and processed. And the reason why I believe we're such a screwed up society is because we have so many generations now of people that have self-medicated or avoided difficult emotions. And they come up eventually in the form of disease, in the form of anger, in the form of outbursts, in the form of abuse. And so, you know, I know this is quite heavy, but sitting with your emotions is something that everybody needs to learn. And I know that Goldie Hawn actually has a foundation, which is doing some incredible work with, with kindergartners and grade one and two teaching kids how to sit with their emotions and how to move through them. So well, it's, that would definitely be something to look into if you're interested in that. She's doing some great work, but basically just learning yourself to sit with those emotions and watch them dissolve. And then you're able to get up after that. And what, it's interesting because both you and I have done EMDR in the past. And, um, this is something that's very, very Western. Now it's very, very, um, popular in psychology perspectives and psychiatry. And it's, it's something that really does help. Um, and it's very accepted now. And so with that, after every single session, my therapist would say, okay, after this, now you've got to get that energy out of your body. And when you think about how the body works, when you're meant to feel emotions through your body and process them, where does that energy go? Well, what you have to do next is you've got to get it out. And so it's not about forcing these feelings out. It's about feeling them and, and noticing them dissolve, but then taking that chance to do something like yoga, going for a walk, like you were saying earlier, going out in nature and having nature assist you with moving those emotions out of your body, how it's supposed to be moving through you instead of getting stuck in you. And so doing some sort of movement, what I used to do is I used to put on headphones and I used to like shake and dance to like a really inspiring song. We all have those songs that we like that um, help us to shift us 
out of certain moods. And so it's really important to like move your body and shake your body. And if you're paralyzed and you're listening to this, you can still do that. Get some assistance, get someone to help you shake, get, you know, you got spasms there. You can help, you can get your spasms to help you get a nurse or get your partner to help you shake and, and move that energy through you so that it, it can go back into the energetic sphere of the world and, and the universe and, and, uh, be dissolved and, get transmuted into something else. But that kind of works really well for me. Also, you know, everybody needs to be focused on raising their vibration right now, because, you know, whether you believe it or not, this has been proven by physics. We are all energy. We are made of energy and everything is energy, feelings, thoughts, physical stuff. It's all energy. It's all made of energy down to the smallest particle. And so if you really understand that, then you'll see that you are responsible for your own energy and you're responsible for raising your energy. And so for me, it's really important to have the purpose of feeling an emotion, not to get out of it, but to feel it fully and then transmute it and then raise my own vibration. So I like to take control out of that and say, okay, what what can I do to raise my personal vibration? And it's so simple. You just have to do something that makes you feel happy. That's it. Everybody has something different that makes them feel happy, but it's really important to do something. If you're not a creative person, I would always say do something creative, but if you're not really a creative person and you're more like a logical thinker, do something that brings joy to you. Like watch a movie that brings you joy. Do something that brings you that feeling of joy, even if you really don't want to. That is so important because that in itself raises your vibration and that contributes to the world. Um you know, there's been so much research on the vibration of emotions and the vibration of feelings in the body and how it emanates. And so if you really want to help, that's what you have to do. And you have to take kind of responsibility for your own self. Don't sit in those feelings for too long because then they can grab a hold of you and it's harder to get out of them. You know what I mean? I'm sure we've all been there. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Another really great way you can raise your vibration is by going into the ocean and having a little swim especially in the Canadian <laughs> ocean times, Brooke. <laughs> this, is some, this is something Brooke and I have been doing are the cold isms, but we haven't for a little bit. So this is the pressure for you to come out with me right away to go for <laughs> yeah, a cold you got, swim. <laughs> and everybody has to be careful with that because it does yeah. uh, disrupt your nervous system a lot. So like when you're going through a tough time, it may not be the best thing to do, but it is a really good thing to do when you're kind of feeling good and in a lull where you feel like you're kind of relaxed and you're, you're in a place where you're not distressed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Another thing that we've talked about a lot and you and I both do is a regular breathing practice that raises your Mm -hmm. vibration. And that's been proven in many scientific studies to raise your vibrational frequency to help you process feelings and emotions. So if you don't have a regular breathwork practice, this is something that takes 10 minutes a day, 10, 15 minutes a day that everybody can do, including, you know, people that are paralyzed. Everybody can do a breathwork practice. You can use your nose. You can use your mouth. There's ample, you know, we did a podcast about this a couple of months ago. It's available on our website. You can go back and check it out. Um, Breathwork for stress relief, I believe it was called. Um, And just like having that somewhere for you to go within yourself and breathe is just, you know, it's free. It doesn't cost anything. And the important thing is, is that you have control over that. It's not up to somebody else, right? Let's let's try and move away from outsourcing our own needs. <laughs> I think you that's know, where society is going, right? 
Mm-hmm. You know what's really cool about the breath work? So the breath work that, that Brooke is talking about that we do is Wim Hof. Um, and I've noticed like with Dan going to school, so Dan's in school right now to be a recreational therapist or a therapist of recreation, sorry. Um, and in both his class and in his in his um, meetings with his physio now, that's what they're all talking about. You know, they're like, you know, do breath work. It's so, so powerful, so beneficial for you, for all the cells in your body. And uh, it's funny because he brings up, he's like, oh, you know, my girlfriend's been doing the Wim Hof breathing. Do you know Wim Hof? And they're, they're like, Oh yeah, I've been hearing about it. Like it's becoming more like mainstream now, which is really cool um, to be able to pull out some of, like you said, some of these techniques that in the past would have been like, oh, that's a little wild. I don't know about that. But now people are really jumping on board on self-healing, you know, really trying to take that approach of what is it that you can do for yourself. It's totally free. You can do it at home in the comfort of your house, in the comfort of your room. You can do it with your partner. You can do it with your pets. You can do it by yourself. <laughs> it's like you can do it anywhere. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss novel, Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's so true. It's free. It's easy. Anybody can do it at any time. And it's so beneficial. I know the first time that we did the breathing or I did the breathing, I almost fainted. So the good, the best idea is to be sitting down um, or lying down and make sure that you're nice and safe. And you're not in a body of water because that could be very <laughs> hazardous. Yeah, totally. And I find it really interesting that it's, you know, these things have been done by the yogis for thousands of years and the ancient people of the world, um, breathing techniques and, you know, quote, high on your own supply. Like these kind of things have been done in, in, in many traditions, not so much in Western traditions. And now we're getting, you know, neuroscientists and people like Dr. Joe Dispenza and uh, the Huberman podcast. These are high up Stanford trained neuroscientists that are, um, that are, you know, they're, they're high up there as far as respected for research and they're starting to get in alignment with um, the power of breath. And that's interesting to me because, you know, let's go back to the whole systems thing and the systems of control over and outsourcing your happiness and outsourcing your health to other systems. It's interesting that, you know, I feel like maybe the next step is Western medicine doctors starting to move towards more of a, okay, how can you manage your own state better? How can you manage your health a little bit better from within? What power can you take back? I mean, I feel like we're still a long way from that because the systems have such a control over those industries that um, it's kind of hard to break away from that without getting into too much detail. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm what I'm talking about. But when you when you look at it that way, because it's getting more mainstream, doing things like breath work and doing things like, you know, helping yourself from within and really regulating yourself internally and not having to say, oh, I got to take a pill for that. Or I got to rely on somebody else to help me with that and taking like back your power. Um, it just kind of highlights how things are changing and how things are, you know, getting to a place where it may not be so much power over soon, maybe in our lifetime. Who knows? That's kind of my hope is I'm hoping that the people take their power back. Um, power to the people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so um, let's, let's wrap this up and just say that I think the whole point is, is that we're witnessing something that everybody on earth is feeling right now and you are not alone. 
Mm-hmm. And we have the tools as ways of SCI and people that have traditionally been oppressed. We have tools of resilience in our back pocket that we all can use to help get us through this. And you can get through this and you will be okay. And this is all temporary. And yes, things will probably get worse before they get better. But you have to know that you can make it through anything. If you know, if you can make it through a spinal cord injury and dealing with the life that this brings you, and you can become resilient and not just resilient, happy and thriving in your life with a great relationship, you've done that. You know, no one's done that for you. You've done that. And so take that as the biggest compliment ever because you've made it through something already that is terrifying and and life-changing and you've done your best with it and you've become resilient with it. And let's take those lessons and apply them to where we're at in the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there are so, so many couples in our community. You just have to go and have a peek at our Instagram page that show exactly that. And not all of it is quote unquote, like rose colored glasses. There are so many different stories of trials, tribulations, and a whole bunch of success and love and just community. That's a great page for anybody looking for a bit of a mood booster, a little bit of a serotonin boost, um, head on over to our Wags of SCI Instagram page. There are a heap of stories. And of course, the last, last but not least way you can get your endorphins up and get a little exercise is through our Wags of SCI 5km self-care walk slash run happening March 20th and it is virtual so please come join us you can participate in this from the comfort of your neighborhood or your treadmill or wherever you are at that time you can participate alongside the rest of the Wags of SEI in our community and share your stories and share your hashtags Wags of SEI 5km self-care run. And this is a great initiative that we were so happy to begin last year that brought um, enough funding for the rest of the year for us to be able to give back to the community through date nights um, for our women and our couples. So please, please, please come join us. And if you are able to please donate to our page, our link is in our bio and we are so fortunate to be able to offer this to all of you. Yeah. And thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want more information about the run, we did an episode two episodes ago. Uh, if you missed it, that gives all the details. And again, you can find all the information on our website, wegsosci.com. Thank you once again to Robin Wishart and Wishart Brain and Spine Law for supporting this group and being an advocate. And we will see you guys um, alongside us on the run on the 20th with your runners getting moving working moving all these emotions out of your body we're all doing it together um and thank you again for tuning in today and we will see you next time on the wags of sci podcast cheers <laughs>